Michael Dukes Show. The greed and the entitlement is astounding to me. What more could you want from a low-budget radio program? This is a dumpster fire. That was just BS. It is time to get a new perspective. We know just what you need, and we've got just the cure. Open wide and prepare for a steaming hot cup of freedom. I just don't fathom it. The Michael Dukes Show, streaming live across the world. Mm-hmm. Yeah, baby, that's right. The Michael Dukes Show, broadcasting live across the state of Alaska on this, your favorite radio station and or translator and around the world at MichaelDukeShow.com on the internet. Hi, how are you? Good morning. Welcome to the program. Uh, appreciate you guys coming in and joining us. Uh, thanks for being part of the show today. It is Tuesday, which means that we are ready to uh, jump into it with both feet and get into the headlines and talk about a bunch of different stuff. And then, of course, as always, dive into it with Brad Keithley from Alaska's uh, Alaskans uh, 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 for, for Sustainable Budgets. Uh, that's uh, where we've got to uh, gonna dive into the weekly top three. Today, we're going to talk about the budget surpluses. Uh, we're going to talk about... Uh, we're going to talk about... Uh, the uh, governor's new plan for uh, for uh, uh, for energy, his energy, his renewable energy plan, and we're going to talk about the University of Alaska taking a look at that budget surplus and saying, "Ooh, baby, I think we could use some of that. I think we could use some of that." So we're going to uh, talk about that this morning and get things ready to uh, rock and roll, and uh, we'll be. We'll be proceeding ahead uh, on those things this morning for the weekly top three. Uh, then, of course, we're going to jump into it uh, in hour two with Chris Story, the man from Homer, who will be coming on board with us and talking with us about uh, his, uh, well, his weekly life coaching lesson. I mean, who knows? We could talk about pottery and positivity and all that other kinds of stuff um i i just i love it i love it i like it i don't know what to say about it other than that i'm looking forward to it uh if you guys want to uh hang around and do that it's going to be it's going to be good stuff uh this morning for us all right well uh some headlines headlines who's got your headlines now don't forget if you're having a hard time hearing us or uh, you can't pick us up on the radio or whatever, you could always go over to my website, which is, of course, uh, michaeldukeshow.com, and I've got the audio live stream up there as well. Uh, the audio live stream is uh, ready to rock and roll, and it's pushing out all the information and audio that you need. So if you've fallen and can't reach your radio, then there's all the places that you can go this morning and hang out and do your thing. And if you want to be in the chat room, you can still be in the chat room and uh, listen to the audio-only live stream and still chat away. Just mute the sound on Facebook or YouTube or wherever you are and uh, get in there. I don't know. There's some kind of problem with the broadcast this morning where it's I, mean, I all I can still see is the splash screen, and apparently people are getting choppy audio. So, man, it's the it is what it is. It is what it is. We can't control it, so we're going to work around it. That's That's how we roll. 
So some of the headlines that are breaking out here this morning, the governor's race continues to heat up. Democratic governor uh, candidate Les Guerra has now picked a running mate. Now, you may recall that because of the uh, new uh, jungle primary and ranked choice voting rules that were implemented, part of that whole thing mandated that the governor's candidates uh, would not run the lieutenant and uh, lieutenant governor and governor candidates would not run independently. Instead, they would run as a block. And so the whoever's going to run for governor has to pick a running mate. And now we're seeing that uh, come to light as Governor Les Guerra has chosen Jessica Cook, who is a school teacher from Palmer. And uh, she's going to be his lieutenant governor candidate here. She is uh, born and raised in Anchorage, parent of 20 years of experience, is a school teacher. She's got a couple master's degrees in education and is a member of the uh, a big member of the teachers union. Now, she has no prior experience in public office, but that hasn't really slowed anybody else. Remember, Bill Walker has uh, picked uh, Heidi Dragas as his uh, running mate as well. Again, no, uh, no, no real uh, public office work. I mean, she's worked for the government, but no, uh, no elected office uh, experience. Not that I'm sure that um, running for that being a lieutenant governor necessarily requires you to be a consummate politician uh, or anything. Uh, it seems like this is all about uh, a, you know being for the children uh, because that's what they talked about here specifically um, that they're all about for the children. So you can see his 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 platform is going to be a. Uh, his platform is going to be very, very much in line uh, on the um, uh, on the educational front. That's where he's going to be, I think, stoking a lot of his fires. Um, he said that they had been discussing the candidacy with Cook for months, although she was trying to balance it out with her teaching job. Uh, but she had finally decided that for the children that she was going to do it. She thought it was an opportunity to help not just her students, not just her kids and her grandkids, but actually help her fellow Alaskans. So she decided to throw her hat in the ring. Of course, the first thing they did was attack Governor Mike Dunleavy's economic and budgetary policy, accusing him of contributing to the out-migration of Alaska uh, that has been going on. And that began before Dunleavy entered office and has continued through his term. Again, he kind of inherited this and it's just been going on ever since. Both of them said they also support the restoration of the public pension program for state employees. And that's code, by the way, for because there is still a public pension program for state employees. It's just not the defined benefits program, the tier one defined benefits program or tier two or tier three that they are looking for. That has been on the wish list of Democrats for many years, regardless of what it costs the state, regardless of what it takes in, uh, you know, of what it takes in actual money to fill that out. They have been fighting for that for many, many years. They say that a pension. Well, again, this is this is just the sloppy writing. Let me just let me just sidebar for a second. This is just the sloppy writing of the ADN and James Brooks. Who should know better? 
Cook, Cook and Gara say they support the restoration of a public pension program for state employees, saying that the pension would give teachers and public safety workers a reason to remain in Alaska, reducing chronic turnovers. But but <laughs> the, there is a public pension program. Um, there there is a public pension program. It, it now it's a defined contribution plan, which a lot of people are are butthurt about. But that's what the, that's what it is. It's a public pension program. They act as if there is no retirement and no pension for the teachers or for public safety workers. Which is just, again, lazy, lazy um, reporting at this point. I, I, you know, you could have at least pointed out that the the defined contribution program, which is what they're talking about, was eliminated back in, I don't know, what was it, 2005, something like that, where they went to the defined benefits or from the defined benefits to the defined contribution. The only reason that they did it, by the way, is because the defined benefits program was bleeding us completely dry. And we were having to contribute. We had an $11 billion shortfall to the defined benefits program. So, but I, I, again, this is just lazy. Cook and Gara said they support the restoration of a public pension program for state employees. Saying that a pension would give teachers and public safety workers a reason to remain in Alaska. Reducing chronic turn. <sighs> I mean, come on. Come on. The two also said they would propose an expansion of the state's force of rural troopers and village uh, VPSOs, public safety officers, reductions in tax credits paid to oil companies, and increasing spending on maintenance backlogs at public facilities and, of course, the University of Alaska. Um, one of the reasons why they said that they uh, that Gara said he had chosen Cook is apparently to fill out all the check marks on the racial diversity ethnicity card. I wanted the most qualified person. Then I wanted a ticket, if possible, to look like Alaska so that we're regionally diverse, we're ethically diverse. Um, so uh, apparently that's part of it. Now, the only two that I think that have not announced so far... Uh, their candidate for lieutenant governor is Mike Dunleavy and Charlie Pierce. They haven't uh, they haven't announced yet uh, who is uh, who who is going to be their running mate. Bill Walker, as I mentioned earlier, has has nominated Heidi Dragas. Libertarian Bill Toyn is uh, Billy Toyn is running with Shirley Rainbolt. Republican candidate Bruce Walden is running with Tanya Lang, and Republican candidate Christopher Kirka is running with Paul Hoiper. Uh, as part of their campaign, so we're still waiting to hear who. Um, we're still still waiting to hear where Mike Dunleavy and Charlie Pierce are as far as their running mates go. So we'll be we'll be following along and waiting for that one to pop out here at any moment. Um, I also want to talk about the uh, freedom the the freedom uh, uh, convoy. Right, the Freedom Express or whatever they're calling the the trucker thing going on in Canada because there's been some breaking stuff yesterday, late yesterday. Justin Trudeau 
um, suspended the civil liberties in this country. He declared the Canadian version of martial law to try and end the trucker convoy and the occupation of Ottawa. And uh, we're going to we're we're going to find out more about that here uh, in just a bit. But we are up against the break and I don't have enough time to get into it, probably because I was mocking James Brooks for the I mean, just so, so lazy. Support the restoration of a public pension program. I mean, like they don't have one now. Just God, I wish I had a retirement. Oh, man, I wish I had the defined contribution retirement going on. All right, well, we're coming up on the break. Uh, we're going to uh, start fresh here with Brad Keithley in just a moment. Don't go anywhere. The Michael Duke Show continues. You're home for Common Sense Radio. We're going to be part of this and jumping back into this here in just a moment. Don't forget, you can always come out and check us out in the chat rooms on Facebook, on YouTube, on Twitch. We'd love to hear from you. Feel free to uh, feel free to join us there. Don't forget, you can always pick up the live stream on my website. And of course, podcasts will be available every day right after the show. It is the Michael Duke Show. Common sense, liberty-based, free-thinking radio. Brad Keithley up next. If you missed the show, you can listen to it on your time with Dukes On Demand. Oh, and it's free. Like America used to be. Streaming live every weekday morning on Facebook Live and MichaelDukesShow.com. Okay. Uh, I see everybody's having challenges this morning with uh, YouTube uh, and with Facebook with the audio stream. I don't know what's going on, quite honestly. Um, I'm I tr- well, maybe it's because I tried to make some changes to make the video smoother so it wouldn't because yesterday it was lagging pretty bad. So I changed some of the settings. And maybe that's totally monkey and the whole thing up. I I don't know at this point. So I can't change anything without killing the whole thing. So if you guys would ha- would rather me kill the whole thing and start fresh, I'm happy to do that. I could stop the whole stream and start fresh and see if I can reset the settings back to where they were. I'm happy for you guys to uh, want to be part of that. So let me know if you want me to stop the stream, try and reset to my old settings and see if that fixes it. Uh, just say stop in the chat room. Just say stop. Whichever chat room you're in, I can see them all. Um, feel free to just tell me one way or the other. Just tell me to So maybe you can't hear me. I don't know. Some of you can't hear me. Apparently the audio on the website is perfect. According to a couple of the comments that I saw, if you want to go take a look at it and listen on the website and then just comment in the chat room, you can do that as well. Although it does require uh, doing two things at once, which I know is hard. So you guys let me know what you want me to do and I will, I will make it happen. I will make it happen. Um, that's it. 
So you guys have been real verbose right up to this point where I said, if you want to stop or stay, just tell me stop or stay. Uh, crappy internet feed. It's a vast left-wing conspiracy. What the, what the, it's messed up. Your website is streaming good, says Daniel. Thank you, Daniel. Good morning. The problem is on your platform, says Harold. You got a bad wire or a loose connection. Oh, yeah, I'm sure that's exactly what it is. Um, is it lazy reporting or manipulative reporting? I don't know. That's, that's the question. You guys seem to be a long ways behind me. So I guess, what am I, two and a half minutes out. Do I have enough time to reset the settings? I think I do. I'm going to reset the settings. Well, I still got to call Brad, don't I? Let me call Brad real quick and get Brad on the line. And let's see if we can get that may totally screw us at this point. Get Brad Keithley uh, on the line with us here. Well, that's uh, unattractive. That's unattractive. Let's try that one more time here. We'll try and get him back on the line. Good morning, Michael. Good morning, sir. How are you? I'm doing better than you. I guess. I don't know. I've got, uh, I don't have any video from you, but I've got video from me. So I don't know where you're at. You still with me, Brad? Uh, we could not connect to your blah, blah, blah. Got that. Brad, are you still? Ooh. Okay. Well, we're going to have Brad, we're going to have Brad call in this morning because, uh, uh, this is, uh, that's not going to work. Okay. Uh, okay. Nope. Wrong one. Yep. Uh-huh. Let's try this. Okay. All right. Well, we're 20 seconds out or so here. We're going to get started. We're going to uh, try with Brad here, get things ready to, uh, to go. Um, we're going to restart the stream here after Brad gets, uh, uh, after Brad calls in. Here we go. The Michael Duke Show, common sense, liberty-based, free-thinking radio. All right. Well, <laughs> just another beautiful day in paradise, right? I mean, all these things working so well together. We're gonna we're gonna fix this here in just a hot second. Uh, Brad Keithley though joins us this morning for the weekly top three, and we're gonna get cranking on that while I work on things in the background. Brad's gonna give us a shout and tell us about the weekly top three. 
Good morning, my friend. How are you doing this morning? Michael, I'm doing great. How about you? Uh, I'm sorry, say again? Michael, I'm doing great. How about you? I am doing just finer than frog hair split four ways. What more could a guy ask for? I mean, seriously. Uh, it just doesn't get any better than this. Um, all right. Uh, it's, it, it's, it's my fault. I was going to do screen sharing this morning. Yeah, oh, you were going to do screen sharing. Well, you might still be able to do that this morning. So don't uh don't lose hope as of now. I'm going to uh I'm going to fix this here in just a hot second. So let's talk about the you know, we can shuffle some stuff around if you need to or hold that till the near the end of the this uh segment of it. But uh let's talk about the the weekly top 3 starting off with this projected fiscal year 23 revenues now a billion dollars above and beyond what the fall forecast says and what but what does that really mean what does that really mean when it's all said and done so the fall forecast was predicated on uh 71 the traditional revenue side of it was predicated on 71 dollar oil which at the time seemed high uh but it's gone much higher since uh the futures price for uh, average futures price now for 2023, fiscal year 2023, uh, has jumped from the $71 included in the fall forecast up to $87, $16 higher. Um, uh, uh, and, and that higher uh, runs, across, runs across the board. Uh, the 10-year uh, futures strip is now higher than the fall forecast all the way through uh, the end of the ten years, not that much higher, not as not sixteen dollars higher, but but uh, but higher across the board. That translates into unrestricted general fund. The, the the effect of the higher oil price coming through on the royalty side and coming through on the production tax side uh, uh, results in higher traditional revenues. In fact, it's a substantial jump uh, from the two point six billion dollars forecast in the. Um, in the FY23 uh, fall forecast and, and what the governor's FY23 budget is predicated on from $2.6 billion in traditional revenue, that $16 jump from $71 to $87 oil uh, results in jumping the, uh, uh, the traditional revenues, traditional UGF revenues, to $3.7 billion, more than a billion dollars higher uh, than the than the uh, uh, the traditional revenues included uh, in the fall forecast and on which the the budget's based. That translates through uh, in terms of in terms of how the budget looks uh, from a deficit uh, at current law deficit, uh, counting the the PFD at the statutory levels uh, that was inc- a, a deficit that was included in the fall forecast. The fall uh, the FY23 budget using the, the current oil price now balances. Uh, there's $4.6 billion, $3.7 billion in traditional revenues. Uh, current law uh, has the, uh, the portion of the POMB draw that goes to the general fund uh, as, as what's remaining after the statutory PFD is taken out. That's how current law works. $600 million from uh, the, uh, the POMB that, that goes to government and then the governor threw in another $400 million from, uh, from federal, federal revenues, COVID revenues that can be used toward, uh, uh, can be used toward uh, uh, state spending. That jumps the budget or the, the, the revenue side from uh, significantly lower, from about uh, uh, 
3.7 billion dollars, 3.5 billion dollars in the fall revenue forecast uh, to 4.6 billion dollars. So the budget, uh, the current law budget, full statutory PFD now balances uh, based on the higher oil prices. That doesn't continue through the 10-year forecast. There continue to be deficits, current law deficits, uh, uh, in the budget uh, from FY24, FY24 through the uh, through the end of the decade. But the FY23 budget at least balances. So there's it's a significant impact. Uh, those higher oil prices are having a significant impact uh, on the uh, on the FY23 budget. Now, you know, we can get into a debate whether those high, higher oil prices. Uh, uh, continue whether uh, uh, whether there's a, a, a reaction to the higher oil prices in terms of in terms of demand drop and and that uh, that has an impact on price as we get into FY23. But as of right now, uh, we've jumped a, a billion dollars higher, and that's a I think that's something that we ought to note uh, at least uh, uh, when it occurs and uh, and look at the uh, the consequence if that oil price was realized. All right. Well, let's take a peek at it. I mean, I mean, I guess my main concern is this is all very here's been my concern from the beginning. And you could tell me if I'm off base on this or not. My concern is that this is all very short sighted. We see it in the short term. Oh, look, we're going to be well, but it's in the year three and four and five that all of a sudden we're going to be right back to where we were again, fighting it out and duking it out over the PFD. Yeah, well, and and, and, as, and as we'll get into in the second segment, we're going to duke it out this year because. Now with this additional cash, everybody's got ideas <laughs> on how they can use that additional cash, which will which will unbalance the budget again. And and as 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 the legislature has been doing since 2017, uh, uh, take it out of the uh, take it out of the PFD. So we're going to duke it out this year. Uh, but at least as of it, it's it's worth noting, at least as, as of this 10 seconds, uh, the budget is. Uh, uh, is imbalanced. The current law budget is uh, is imbalanced. But you're exactly right. I mean, you go to 2024, even at what the current what the futures market is telling us about oil prices. Uh, 2024, there's a 400 million dollar deficit. 2026, 700 million dollar deficit. 2027, there's a uh, 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 an 800 million dollar deficit. So it's so we're we're looking at deficits um, uh, all the way. Uh, all the way through the remainder of the decade of some substantial size. This is this is an aberration. This year, FY23 uh, is an aberration in terms of in terms of the impact. Um, uh, it's because oil prices decline. I mean, the futures market is saying that oil prices decline after uh, FY23. Um, so this year is an aberration, and and we do duke it out in the, in future years. But and and but we're likely going and we're likely going to duke it out this year because of people uh, talking about increased spending. But at least uh, at this point in time, uh, oil prices have 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 increased enough uh, that we've uh, that we've found a temporarily, I guess, a, a balance on FY23. All right. Well, I know you wanted to do some, uh, I know you wanted to probably so sh show some charts and stuff, which luckily enough, I do have uh, the chart that you included in your uh, uh, in your message to me. So I can put that up on the screen if you want to discuss that, the comparison to traditional revenues. And I'm ready to do that whenever you are. So proceed ahead. Well, it's um, uh, that chart shows uh, the uh, traditional revenues at uh, uh, at the spring forecast, which is in blue, uh, the fall forecast, which is in red, and based on current futures market, which is in black. 
Uh, and it starts in FY22, the current fiscal year, and shows that uh, we're having a surge in revenues. Those are probably, those are more secure because we're, what, 60% of the way through the year right now. So uh, we're likely going, we're, 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 we're going to achieve revenues in FY22 that are in excess of what was included in the, in the fall forecast. Uh, what I've been talking about is FY23, which is the next, uh, uh, the next slide over, and that's, or the next uh, uh, piece over. And that's uh, that's where the three point seven billion dollars in projected revenues tradition or traditional revenues now shows up compared to the red, which was the fall forecast of two point six and the spring forecast, which was one point nine on at the top of that chart are oil prices. And you can see that uh, the eighty seven dollar oil price for twenty twenty three and then see the decline in oil prices that the futures market is projecting down to $80 in FY24, 77 and 25, 75 and 26, and so on, which results in declining uh, traditional revenues, which, op as I said before, opens back up uh, deficits in the, uh, in the projected budget that, uh, that the governor did, the projected 10-year forecast. But, right. but we, we are better off. Uh, through all those years based upon the current futures market. And we're in balance, again, just probably temporarily, but in balance uh, for FY23. Well, and again, that's good. Um, long and shorted here there for me, though, Brad. Where does it, where do, we, where do we end up when it's all said and done? I mean, how does, how does this end, I guess, is what I'm saying. <laughs> well, we're going to talk about some of that in the second segment, Michael, uh, because we're going to talk about the people who now want that money. Uh, the increases that are uh, people uh, coming forward and asking for increases. Um, so it's going it, to, what it leads to is now uh, requests for that money uh, and, uh, and people uh, having ideas about, uh, like Les Guerra's defined benefits program um, and, uh, and other things. Uh, people now uh, coming forward and saying, well, if we got all this extra money, extra compared to what we would project, what we had projected. Uh, then, uh, then I've got a place for that, um, and so we're going to talk. We're going to talk about in the next segment what happens uh, as we start talking about these additional requests for money. Where is it coming from? Whose pocket is it coming out for? Right. Out of who's who's going to pay? Uh, uh, as we get into uh, as we get into the next phase of this. All right. Well, before we jump into number two, then let's finalize. Let's go back one one quick click here. Then back to number one, talking about all these new revenues projections and the billions. How much of this is how much of this is accounting voodoo? How much of this is, you know, is is moving stuff around in the right way? And how much of it is is, you know, I think real and and, and I guess for true. And if Brad was the one that was writing these projections, how different would they look? Well, I think the projections are pretty good. I mean the projections are our Department of Revenue's forecast of revenues at certain at certain oil price levels, traditional revenues at certain oil price levels, and 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 the real the soft spot uh, in in all of that is whether the futures market is accurate accurately predicting what the what the revenues are going to be or what the oil prices are going to be. We know that oil prices will differ from the from the futures market, but we don't know how much, uh, and we don't know. Frankly, we don't even know in what direction. So, so this is sort of a sh a, 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 a look in time, uh, a, 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 a snapshot in time of where we are uh, if the futures market oil prices were uh, 
uh, were were realized over the next fiscal year and over the subsequent uh, ten years. Uh, that's the soft spot. Uh, whether whether the market whether the oil prices actually achieve those, there's not there's not much moving around uh, other than that. If Brad were doing this, Brad would be looking at uh, at a at a smoothing of oil prices, a smoothing on the revenue side, uh, consistent with a spending cap uh, on the on the rev- using a revenue based spending cap uh, that would say you know we can't count on the futures market at any given point in time. We're going to look back in history a little bit, and we're going to smooth uh, smooth oil prices over time. So, uh, taking into account the lower oil prices from earlier years, we would have a lower we, we would we would have a lower revenue projection or a lower revenue base that we were using for budgeting. But right now, I mean, right now, the governor's using the legislature's using uh, projected prices, projected oil prices for uh, for their uh, uh, for their budgeting and. And so the, those projected prices that they're using, which is based on the futures market, uh, is, uh, is moving in a positive direction and, uh, and, and, and moving in a substantially positive direction. Which, again, leads us now to, OK, now that the money's there, who's going to come ask for it? And we're going to talk about that here in just a second with Brad Keithley, Alaskans for Sustainable Budgets. All right. We're going to be back with more here in just a moment. Don't go anywhere. Common Sense, Liberty-based, free-thinking radio. We continue with the weekly top three right after this. What is that? Common Sense. Regularly heard on American radio. And of course, uh, I mean, I get it all back up and running, and of course, Facebook doesn't pick it back up. So now we're just on YouTube and Twitch this morning, um, of course. Uh, but the, you do have video and you do have sound, so everybody's happy. What what more could a guy ask for? <laughs> well, do you want to switch back over to to Skype then, or just, or yeah, just hold if, it here? Well, if you want to try it on Skype again, if you've got more stuff to share, I'd love to. I'd love to see it. We can give it a shot and see what it looks like. I'm happy to do that if you want to give it a try. No, we're 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 pretty much through the screen sharing part. If you yeah. want, if you want to stick here, well, all you're going to get if we go back to Skype is my face. All right. Well, we. I mean, nobody wants to see my face, let alone yours. So I'm, I'm, <laughs> with, I'm with you on that. Um, it's uh, yeah. I don't know, man. <laughs> Two steps forward, one step back. I feel like, oh, look, I got it. Never mind. It was broken from the beginning. Well, so. you know, a year from now, we'll have a, we'll have all these bugs worked out, and it'll be running smooth, right? supposedly supposedly that's the that's the plan i'm just going to keep turning the settings down until everything works properly at this point that's what i that's what i feel like i feel like i just got to keep turning all the settings down until the whole thing is is up and running and there you go uh jimmy says so glitchy on my end i you know you could still listen on the stream off my website if you want to do that jimmy uh it apparently is still smooth as silk so if you're having a problem there, otherwise, uh, like I said, I'm going to just turn all my, uh, I'm going to turn all my video and audio settings down on this video thing until it actually starts working properly. It's been working fine for years. Then all of a sudden you make one tweak to it and you're like, now nothing likes anything. So it is what it is. Harold, uh, in the chat room, always one to stir the conversation up, Brad says, where does the flat tax fit in all this now? Cause it's all. Oh, there's still there's still deficits, Harold. Uh, I mean, there's st- deficits yeah. deficits in FY twenty four out to the uh, out to the end of the decade. 
Yeah. Um, and if we want to, if we want to have uh, continued spending, which evidently you know the legislature wants to do that, and we want to have uh, statutory PFDs, uh, there's deficits that have to be filled. There you go, Harold. Mission accomplished. You got him to say flat tax. That's what it is. Uh, if that's what we want, and, and I think that's the big thing here, uh, Brad, is if it is what we want, and I think more and more, you know, most people don't want new revenues. They want the spending to be controlled. Unfortunately, we got a bunch of yahoos in there who basically just say, no, we're going to do it our way. We're going to do, we want to spend and we're going to protect the government spend no matter what it costs the rest of the Alaskan economy. Well, you know, we had that test in 2019. I mean, the governor, the governor proposed uh, the deep spending cuts, uh, and we had the the pushback in the legislature. You know, he, the governor couldn't even get 16 to support it to support the the spending cuts uh, uh, that that he proposed. He ended up with much smaller spending cuts, which we've since lost through spending increases elsewhere. Um, and the governor's not the governor's not even proposing spending cuts anymore. So uh, significant spending cuts anymore. So it's um, I mean, we we had that moment in time where he tried. In 2019, couldn't even get 16 legislators to back him up, 16 out of 60 to back him up. Uh, and, and that moment in time seems to have passed. You know, I often think about, well, Mike, what would you have done if you were governor? And you know what? I, I got to say, I think I still would have stuck with it. I think I would have. I mean, that's what I promised. That's what I said I was going to do, even if I was going to be only a one-term governor or maybe even less. Maybe the recall continued, although I think the recall didn't have a chance in the long run once COVID hit. I think I still would have proposed. A, I would have stuck to those and and proposed in reducing budgets. That would have laid it all at the legislators' feet. I mean, that they, they would have been the ones that had to live with that. And, uh, I mean, I, I really think that that should have been done. Yeah, he ran. He, I mean, he, he, at, at that time, the administration with Tuckerman as chief of staff, uh, he was, I think he was prepared to push it through. But when they went to count noses in the legislature, they didn't have 16 to back him up. So what he was going to do is, is propose, is, is stick with those, stick with those vetoes, veto back down to the budget that he'd originally proposed, um, uh, and put those legislators on the hot seat and see if, um, See if, you know, when, when it came time to count those publicly, 16, uh, 16 stood up. But they, they didn't have 16 in private. I mean, the reason they backed off is they didn't have 16 in private. So, you know, whether, whether you know, put out in the light of day, 16 would have, would have stood up with him, um, uh, even though they told him they couldn't do it in private. I don't know. But that's, that's, where, that's where the rubber met the road. When they did, when they did the nose count uh, uh, on, uh, on whether they had 16 to back him up. Well, I think, and I'm going to start off with this as we come back from the break, but Kevin McCabe nails part of the problem. He says, the problem is we never get visits or emails from people who want us to cut the budget to limit spending. All we ever get is visits or emails from people who want more, more, every day, all day. And, um, I mean, they are active. I will say it. They're active and they are out there. And uh, I think that that is part of the problem. So I'm going to start with that, and then we'll let you lead into that, Brad, with number two. Brad Keithley is our guest, Alaskans for Sustainable Budgets. Um, I've posted the link on Facebook this morning for this YouTube video because, you know, Facebook is now not working, but whatever. We're going to jump back into it here. Don't go anywhere. The Michael Duke Show, common sense, liberty-based, free-thinking radio. Let's get to it. Here we go.
All right, continuing now with Brad Keithley, Alaskans for Sustainable Budgets. We're going to talk about number two, which, of course, is now that we've identified the fact that there's going to be surpluses in all this money, people are going to start coming out of the woodwork. We were just talking during the break about how there was no political will, it seemed like, to cut, that we want the budgets to be cut, but maybe not anybody else. Kevin McCabe, uh, Representative McCabe, says the problem is we never get visits or emails from people who want us to cut the budget to limit spending. All we ever get is visits or emails from people who want more, more, every day, all day. And we're about to see more of that, right, Brad? I mean, that's kind of the that's kind of the business as usual aspect of what we're seeing. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. Uh, the legislature is going to see that. And, and you know, why, why don't legislators get emails or visits from people who want them to cut the budget because there's there's no money in for uh, the, the money for individual citizens who want spending cuts uh, is in better PFDs. Now, does that fund a trip to Juneau to visit your legislator? Probably not. It, it funds maybe an email or certainly comments on on social media, on Facebook pages. But it, there's not... There's not money in it, enough money in it for individual citizens to, to, to realize from those budget cuts to really fund a concentrated effort uh, 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 to hire a lobbyist or have a concentrated effort to go down to Juneau to, to press for that. On the other hand, uh, the university, for example, which is, which is seeking an increase in its budget, uh, uh, the, the mayor of Anchorage, who's seeking uh, $600 million for the port of Anchorage, port of Alaska, uh, in additional funding, uh, there's money in it for those people. I mean, if they can go down and they can get legislators to, to to grant them the money, it's well worth the small investment or the investment of spending the time and and you know hiring a lobbyist and spending the time to go down to Juneau to press for it. So it's the, the incentives the incentives for those who want spending cuts don't translate into let's go to Juneau. I mean, that's one of the things about about having the capital in, in Juneau as opposed to Anchorage, if it was in, or, or in, in South Central, if it was in Anchorage or somewhere else in South Central, people might get in their cars to go visit the legislators, right. to drive to the, to, the, to the legislative office building to, to go visit the legislators to, to press for that. But, but that's not, I mean, the setup we have now is you have to go down to Juneau to press for it. Uh, and the incentives are only for those, really work only for those people who are seeking additional funds. Uh, and who have the money to hire lobbyists who want the additional funds and enough to uh, uh, view view that opportunity as as enough to pay for lobbyists uh, to go down there and press for it. So it's it's I mean you can see why that is, but 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 that's what it is. Well, and I think that's been again that's why it's number two on the charter of changes. And I was arguing yesterday maybe it should be number one that the legislative session should be on the road system. I mean, we do hear about a few meetings, a few uh, bills that are heard in testimony periods where 98% of the calls were to get the fiscal house in order and pay a full PFD. And then they look at the camera and they go, well, that's fine, but you guys just don't really understand the reality of the situation. Whereas if there had been a room full of 200, 300 people standing there, I just doubt that they would look them in the eye and say exactly the same thing. That's part of the problem. Yeah, it is part of the problem, and the and the people who you know, once the once the camera shuts down and they go back to their office, the people who are coming to their offices are people who are telling them, you know, Johnny's not going to be able to read, or there's not going to you know there's not going to be enough teachers, or there's not going to be this, or there's not going to be that if the state doesn't the state doesn't uh, doesn't uh, uh, give more money. I mean, that's that's 
that's what's going on right now. The University of Alaska has has pressed forward uh, for more money than uh, than the administration uh, than the administration proposed. Not only did Governor Dunleavy not pursue the third year of spending cuts uh, that he had originally agreed with the University of Alaska, the the administration itself has proposed increased spending for the University of Alaska uh, in the FY23 budget. And now the university uh, has come down to the legislature and is proposing money on top of uh, additional money on top of what the governor's uh, increase uh, was proposed. Right. Uh, and, and as I said, the mayor of, of Anchorage, the conservative mayor of Anchorage, the you know, we're going to get our fiscal house in order. Mayor of Anchorage has gone down hat in hand for six hundred million dollars to to help fund uh, help fund the port of Anchorage state dollars to help fund the port of Anchorage. So it's not I mean. Everybody now. Now that there's now that there's some money back on the table, uh, you're going to see a lot of people uh, uh, pushing for. Oh, I just want a little bit for my thing, and you know my thing's important. The rest of the right. stuff, don't worry about that. But my thing's important. And you, when you got 60 legislators, I mean, each of those legislators are going to have something that they think is important, and they're going to press for. And that's how we got in this situation in the first place. The point I want to make about this, though, right, is is we have the with the with the increase in traditional revenues uh, projected by uh, higher oil prices, we are barely at a balanced budget. I mean, we got we're right at the balanced budget uh, with those higher oil prices. Uh, balance, balance current law budget, which means a full statutory PFD. So now if we spend, if we divert uh, uh, some of that money, or if we spend, if we decide to spend more on the University of Alaska, or we decide to give some to the city of Anchorage for its port, or any of the other 50 asks that are going to be made of the legislature as we, as we get into this budget process, who's going to pay for it is going to be the PFD. It's going to come out of the PFD because nobody's talking about substitute revenues now, right? Um, and so it's going to be what 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 we're what we're we're sort of at the high, you can view this as a, as the high water mark. We've got the budget balanced at the statutory PFD. We could do what the current law says uh, with the revenues we've got, but now we're going to have people coming in going, "I need a little bit more for the university. I need a little bit more for K through 12. I need a little bit more for the city of Anchorage." I'm sure Fairbanks has projects. I'm sure it's Kenai has projects. I'm sure the Valley has uh, projects that they just want a little bit more. And this is more important than everybody else, but I just want a little bit more. And all of that, you can view that. I will view that as coming out of the PFD, that it's going to be middle and lower income Alaska families through cuts on what could otherwise be a full statutory PFD. Uh, that's, that's going to be paying for uh, all of these additional projects. So if we give the university a little bit more, it's it's middle and lower income Alaska families who have paid for it through PFD cuts. If we give Mayor Bronson six hundred million dollars or whatever portion of that the legislature decides to give him, it's going to be middle and lower income Alaska families that that are paying for that through uh, through PFD cuts. Well, and let's face it, a six hundred million dollar uh, give to the Port of Alaska or Port of Anchorage is puts us basically back almost exactly where we are right now halfway to a statutory PFD. And as you say, they're not going to cut other programs to fund that money. They're going to look at, as they have in the past, they're going to look at the PFD and go, oh, easy fix. Here, take this money. Uh, even though it affects lower and middle income Alaskan families and has the highest impact on the uh, on the private economy, go ahead. We'll do that. That's exactly what they're going to do. It's the easiest route. And they've taken it before. Yep, exactly right. 
And it's just, I mean, we're, we're getting right back into the situation that we were in the, uh, in throughout the 20 teens, uh, of, of, you know, pushing for additional spending, additional spending. Then we had the shock absorber during that, during all of that time, we had the shock absorber of, of savings. And so, you know, we could tell ourselves, well, we're just going to give a little bit of savings this year. Um, and, uh, and, and we'll ride through this and it'll be okay. And we won't have to worry about it. And oil prices will come back up. Well, they never did. We ran through, you know, $20 billion between the, between the CBR and the SBR, we ran through $20 billion of, uh, of, of savings, oil prices never came back up, um, but we continued spending. And now, now that oil prices are coming back up a little bit, the pressure is going to be on to increase. Uh, in, not only not not only uh, 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 not cut, uh, but not even hold things uh, hold the line on spending. The pressure is going to be on increasing spending. But we need I, people need to focus on the fact it's going to be coming out of the PFD. Right. But that's who's going to be paying for it. Middle and lowering, it's going to be a tax on middle and lower income Alaska families that are going to be paying for it. Period. Period. Uh, that we're already paying for. And now for the first time, it'll look like we get a re- little relief. And no, sorry, no relief for you. Let's move on to number three, Brad. The governor, you know, not only will it be the university and others that'll be looking to spend this new money. Now the governor's proposing uh, a whole new energy program that I imagine is going to require a lot of state lucre to help grease the skid, so to speak, on this renewable energy future. Yep, we've had uh, under under statutes passed when uh, Sarah Palin was governor, we've had a 50 percent uh, renewable power uh, mandate uh, on the ses- on on the books. We haven't we haven't come close to that. Uh, but we've had one on the books. The governor proposes to replace that uh, with one that sets an 80 percent, 80 percent of the rail belts uh, energy would come from or electric energy would come from uh, renewable sources uh, by 2050. And uh, here's here's the ways that uh, one of the uh, the outside uh, uh, consultants that the that the administration of others others have been relying on. Uh, here's the here's the ways that they have proposed uh, that that could be achieved. One, uh, the state could build the vast Susitna Watana Watana hydroelectric project and bring the Bradley Lake hydroelectric uh, dam to full capacity. Uh, key words in that is the state could. Right. Second. The state could expand Bradley Lake, build dams at Grant Lake near Moose Pass and Snow River north of Seward, then add some wind and solar power. Three, it could expand Bradley Lake, but additional wind and solar. Four, it could use geothermal power and tidal power as well as wind. The the assumption in all of these is the state could. And basically what, 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 what Governor Dunleavy is proposing Sounds great. Oh, 80% of our power ought to come come from renewable power. But what what that essentially is saying is the state ought to fund additional renewable projects, primarily the hydroelectric projects. The state ought to fund additional renewable projects uh, and recover uh, and uh, and and get to the renewable uh, uh, achievement that way. Not through private sector investment. Right. Not through not through market forces, but through state subsidies. And, 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 you know, the, the, the statement 20, is, well, 30, if we build all the, 
If we build all these capital projects, the operating costs will be lower uh, of these projects. And so the and so the energy cost to consumers will be lower. Yeah, but it will have cost <laughs> us a bunch of upfront money to be able to right. do it. How much is the original investment going to be? That's the big thing. We'll continue this during the break. Brad Keithley, thank you so much for coming on board today. Michael, as always, thanks for having me. Uh, out of time, folks, for this hour. we got more coming up. We're going to keep with Brad Keithley. We'll see you. So, I mean, that's the big thing, Brad. Oh, okay, great. It'll be cheaper to operate. It'll be cheaper for us to have, uh, you know, it'll be lower energy in the long run. Nobody's talking about the initial investment that's being made with state dollars in the end. Oh, a lot of people are talking about it. Those, well, those people who, who who would get contracts to build those things. Yeah, I mean, exactly. Yeah, Kevin, I, I mean, if Kevin McCabe's still on, Kevin, you're going to get a lot of visits from people who will say, this renewable energy bill is a great thing because, wow, look at all this. You know, if we just spend a few billion dollars here and a few billion dollars there on capital projects, we'll have these lower operating costs going forward and the cost of power will go down. Well, yeah. Right. And you'll be stimulating the economy, right? And you'll be creating oh, yeah. jobs. I mean, you know, all these, I mean, it doesn't matter that they're that they're short-term jobs and it doesn't matter that the cost of investment will far will never, you know, be paid back. But other than that, there you go. And whose pocket, whose pocket will it come out of? Once again, it'll be through PFD cuts because nobody's proposing a broader base substitute. It'll be PFD cuts. It'll come out of the pockets of middle and lower income Alaska families. And, and they'll go to Kevin's office and they'll tell him all the great things it's going to do. Uh, and, and, you know, it's really to the benefit of Alaskans. So it's okay if we take their PFD uh, to be able to, uh, to fund it because they'll get the benefits of that. And it's just, I mean, it's just, it, we have, we have, Eisenhower called it back in the day, the military industrial complex. In Alaska, we have the government contracts uh, uh, industrial complex right. uh, going on. I mean, everybody, everybody's got an idea about how they can spend state money. Nobody can raise it privately. Everybody's got, but everybody's got a great idea about how they can, how they can spend state money. Um, and it just needs to. It, it, it's just a little bit out of the pockets of of middle and lower income Alaska families. Well, that's exactly it. I mean, it's the crony capitalism complex that we have here in this state. Whether it's uh, places like GCI with all the telecom money, or the Association of General Contractors who are loving the fact that they want to build a new school building every twelve years, or whatever it is, it's all these different. It's all these. It's all these different people. They'd love to go down there into the legislators' offices and tell them why it's such a good idea to spend all that government money because they're the ones that are picking up the contracts for it. Yep, exactly right, Michael. And, and, and you know, back to Kevin's point, the middle and lower income Alaska families that are getting hosed uh, uh, through PFD, PFD cuts to pay for all this really don't have a voice in the, pro- in, in the process because, you know, they can't get to Juneau to, to you know, compete uh, uh, on a on an equal footing basis with the lobbyists and with the uh, with those uh, who are seeking the money. So it's a it's a mismatch uh, in terms of lobbying power, in terms of persuasive power. Uh, uh, the only the only pushback the only pushback that the ordinary citizen has is at the is at the voting booth. Right, right. Well, um, I. <laughs> This goes right back to the charter of changes, changing out the players and changing the venue and doing all that, uh, doing all that stuff um, is, is, but I mean, that's kind of where we're at. We, we've got to get back to that because otherwise 
we're going to just be faced with more of this and more of this and more of this uh, as we continue. It'll be business as usual all over again. Yeah, I mean, we, we see we see that we see that oil prices are up. We see the benefit of that to Alaskans in terms of being able to achieve uh, uh, at least for one year a balanced budget, a balanced current law budget. Uh, but but all that's really doing, all those higher oil prices are really doing is activating the swarm to go in and say, oh, no, I can spend that money better than than, you know, mom and pop Alaskans can. So give me that money. Uh, increase increase as opposed to cutting the university as as the governor originally proposed. Give me give me not only the increase the, the administration's proposed, give me an additional amount uh, on top of that, you give me $600 million to the Port of Anchorage, give me this and that uh, for various other projects uh, throughout the state. And, and, and we'll be good stewards. We'll, we'll spend that money well. It'll really benefit uh, Alaskans well, as opposed to letting the money flow, as the current statutes provide, into the pockets of middle and lower income Alaska families uh, so, that, uh, so that through their spending, they can uh, stimulate the private sector. Well, I mean, we... We'd love to see it. I mean, we'd love to see real private sector stimulation. We'd like to see those monies going into the hands of Alaskans instead of government picking winners and losers, which is what they've been doing, and doing such a bang-up job of it at this point. Um, and, uh, I mean, I w- I w- we would love to see that. But it's going to take, again, a wholesale change in how the legislature does business. And right now, uh, I mean, Rob Myers pointed out yesterday that we've uh, in the, since 2016, we've changed out two-thirds of the legislature. Unfortunately, we haven't changed out the one third that seems to matter at this point. Yeah, uh, we haven't changed the chairman of the Senate Finance Committee. <laughs> yeah, exactly. We, we haven't changed the chairman of the, of the House Finance Committee. I mean, it's we, yes, we make changes, but but those changes once they get down to Juno don't translate into changes in the power structure in Juno. Right, um, and and that's that's the disappointing part of it. I mean, that's. Um, I remember uh, uh, Bert Stedman had been chair of Senate Finance up until 2012. In the election of 2012, a bunch of new senators came in, replaced him as chair. Uh, but it didn't. I guess that didn't even uh, change things because we start. We just started spending down savings as opposed to as opposed to getting the budget in order. So um, it, it's a lot to be frustrated about. But we need to focus on the fact that this additional spending is coming out of the pockets of middle and lower income Alaska families. It is a tax on middle and lower income Alaska families. As much as the legislature wants to overlook that or deny it or, or, uh, or shift, the, shift the discussion to other things, uh, this additional spending that the universities propose, that the mayor of Anchorage has proposed, that others will propose, that we'll see in the days forward, is coming out of the pockets of middle and lower income Alaska families. Well, Brad, as always, thought-provoking and irritating at the same time. Congratulations. You made it happen. So we appreciate it. Thank you, my friend. Michael, as always, thanks for having me. All right. Appreciate you coming on board. Brad Keithley, Alaskans for Sustainable Budgets. Out of time for this segment. We got more coming up. Hour two dead ahead. The Michael Duke Show, Common Sense Radio. Put that thing back in its holster. We haven't gone anywhere. I don't understand. Check out the MichaelDukesShow.com for information on how to get access to the podcast. 
Michael Dukes Show. The greed and the entitlement is astounding to me. What more could you want from a low-budget radio program? This is a dumpster fire. That was just BS. It is time to get a new perspective. We know just what you need, and we've got just the cure. Open wide and prepare for a steaming hot cup of freedom. I just don't fathom it. The Michael Dukes Show, streaming live across the world. Mm-hmm. Across the world and across the state of Alaska on this, your favorite radio station and or translator and around the world again at MichaelDukeShow.com on the Internet. If you'd like to join us, that's where you can go to get all the good stuff. Get the goods. It's all out there. Welcome back to the program. It is hour two uh, of the Michael Duke Show. We uh, have got um, we just finished up with Brad Keithley from Alaskans for Sustainable Budgets. And he laid out some some big truths there in the weekly top three. If you missed it, you can go back on the podcast and listen to it, um, or I guess go back and watch the replay on YouTube. Um, but, it, you know, the bottom line is, is that we are continuing on as business as usual in this state. Uh, the minute that we have a new surplus, which is what they're talking about now, this this new fiscal year 23 surplus, the minute that we have it, immediately the uh, the 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 you know the the chanting begins for more money, more money, more money. You know the clamor and hue from the university asking not just for the fact that, as Brad pointed out, that the governor proposed uh, had had made an agreement with them to have a twenty million dollar budget cut each year. Not to mention the fact the governor ignored his own agreement. And has funded that even more beyond that. Now, on top of that, be you know beyond that, now they're asking for even more. And it won't be just that; it will be others as well. And we're going to see more people pile up and get ready to uh, uh, to be asking and 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 clamoring at the at the food line of uh, you know, hey, we need some more. We need some more over here. We need some more over here. And as Brad pointed out, the crony capitalists are going to be the first one that are going to be uh, lined up to get their to get theirs for their companies to hire their people and to and to get their projects going. So no no surprise here. I mean, it's just it's just business. We just can't even see the forest for the trees in this in this um, uh, in this state. I don't know. I don't know. I just can't fathom it. Right. To quote a stateswoman, I just can't fathom it. Uh, all right. Um, we have got Chris Story coming up in uh, this hour. We're going to do the uh, the weekly PMA and uplift and life coaching with him. Uh, but we've got some headlines, and we're also going to take some phone calls from folks who are on board this morning. So why don't we get started? Why don't we get started over here on the phone calls? Since we've got one up and ready to go, let's go over here and see what you have to say. Good morning. Who's this? Where are you calling from? Good morning. My name is Holly, and I'm calling from Talkeetna. And Hello, the Holly. only way we're going to be able to attend to fixing anything is to be able to fix our elections. And we have corrupt elections. It's death by a thousand cuts. Um, the governor's bill that took part of shower bill is all a diversion. It's 
doesn't attend to the both the most very important thing that must happen in Alaska, which is paper ballot hand count, and we don't have too many people to do it. It's the only way to change out bad actors. And ranked choice voting did not win in Alaska. I want to just briefly tell you, Michael, that a lot of citizens in Alaska that don't live in the cities have a lot of belief in you. I got a call early this morning from ANIAC to please call in, please call in and ask for help. So let me line this out right quick. Ranked choice voting at the end of the uh, in-person election when 441 precincts um, reported 100% was around 80,000 for and over 105,000 against uh, ballot measure two. Right. Um, no, no more votes were counted for six days than the votes started coming in. These votes did not have a witness signature on the ballot, which the Andino decision uh, from the U.S. Supreme Court um, said that states would not uh, remove the witness signature on ballots. These ballots that came in, 158,000, through the next, um, the ensuing weeks to November 30th, they came in uh, every couple days. Uh, ballots were counted. Like I said, they didn't have witness signatures. It was illegal. The uh, voting had, uh, the ballots had no chain of custody. By the time November 30th arrived, uh, ballot measure two, quote, won by less than 1% and we cannot stand for this. Now, I mean uh, before me you, be, you also, before you before you go on, I mean I know that this they did a hand recount of that that, that ballot, but your assertion is because the ballots uh, were you know that some of the ballots came in without signatures, I don't know how many, uh, but some of them came in without signatures. You're saying that made the difference and you're basically asserting that it was fraud in voter fraud because they came in without signatures. Is that what you're saying? Absolutely. And it wasn't just some of them. Uh, Danny Crosby, judge from Superior Court in uh, Anchorage, overruled the U.S. Supreme Court, and she completely removed the witness signatures. It is a huge ruse. There is evidence. There's irrefutable evidence. There's no chain of custody. And think about it. If there was 182,000 ballots that were counted at the end of all in-person voting, plus the first part of early voting was counted within those ballots, afterwards, starting a week after, run every day or so, and we have all the stats, we got a FOIA request, all of the voting between starting a week after the end of the election through the end of the month was 158,000 votes. Think about it. It's impossible. It's, it's ballot stuffing. It's ballot harvesting. It's death by a thousand cuts. It is illegal what is happening in Alaska. And we showed the governor how to hack the Dominion voting machines. Five public meetings in South Central Alaska were held. Uh, Michael Dunleavy came to our meeting March um, six in the side room of the windbreak and we showed him how to hack the voting machines and we he told us 
uh, our South Central contingency that he would get back to us. He never did. I don't know what happened to the man, but he's well, he's not speaking for himself. Right. Let me ask you this: If you have all this proof, I mean, and because I mean, I've heard a lot of this, uh, you yes. know, over the course since the actually since the presidential election, we've heard a lot of this. But I mean, when it's all said and done, they've stood they've stood a lot of this stuff up in court and. Uh, a lot of it's been disproven and everything else. But if you have stuff here in the state of Alaska specifically, why aren't you? Yeah. Why aren't we going to court over this? Why isn't this being challenged in other ways outside of the original recount and those kind of things? Okay, so let me take that recount uh, just just for a second before answering the second part of your question. The recount was recounting the same corrupt votes. Okay, we need a forensic analysis or a forensic audit. If they're going to force ranked choice voting on Alaska, there needs to be a forensic audit to show that it won because it didn't. Now, it quote won in all, most all the states, but only three implemented, uh, plus Alaska, three most corrupt states, plus the most corrupt Alaska, is actually implementing this vote that they cannot prove. Now, uh, as to the second part, um, I'm not at liberty to talk this week about the answer to your second part, but I would love to visit with you next week regarding that. Okay. Well, feel free to call us back in next week then and talk with us about it because, I mean, I'm all for taking a look at the proof and talking about it. And if it's true, it's true. If it's not, I just don't want it to be more, you know, more of the same, you know, the Sidney Powell stuff um, and everything else, which, you know, basically uh, turned out to, to not have all the horsepower behind it that they claimed it did. And so, I mean, I, again, I'm not a fan of ranked choice voting, but I want to make sure that what you're asserting is true. So I appreciate it. Thank you for calling in this morning and being part of it. Let's go over here. We got uh, maybe time for one more call before we go to break. Good morning. Who's this? Where are you calling from? Randy in Fairbanks. Good morning, Randy. Yeah, I just wanted to comment about the trucker strike, the Canadian trucker strike. Mm -hmm. Uh, While I agree with what they're protesting about, which is against the vaccine mandates. I know I'm very much against the vaccine mandates. I just don't like how truckers, the Canadian truckers, were blocking the bridges and clogging up streets and everything. And I think it's good to have a protest, but if they wanted to have a big giant gathering with trucks and everything, they should pull off the side of the road or get into an empty field or something and have their protest there, or else stay on the move where traffic behind can keep on going and, and go where they want to go. And I hope American truck drivers never do that. It just gives truckers a bad name, in my opinion. And, 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 and I was wondering, too, I, you know, I don't think American truckers would do that. I, I hope they wouldn't. But Canadians would. And maybe it's because they have some kind of more of a European mindset or something. I, I remember over the years reading about how some French farmers, every time they protest, they very inconsiderately go and block up and clog up stuff or and and maybe it's because the the uh, heritage of Europe involves brutish governments, you know, brutish monarchies, and so they think that the only way to handle it is to go and uh, set up guillotines and chop off everybody's head indiscriminately, whether they're guilty or not. Well, and maybe that's that's kind of their I, mindset. I mean, there is an American uh, there is an American uh, uh, convoy that I heard that was getting formed. I don't know if they plan to do the same thing, go to Washington or do whatever. Um, but I mean, I, you know, while it would be inconvenient if I lived in Ottawa, um, I just don't see it being, uh, as, you know, as wrongheaded as you say. I mean, these people are trying to get their government's attention. 
holding a protest on the side of a road somewhere may be well and good, but when the government doesn't respond and completely ignores them, this type of civil disobedience is really the most a uh, you know most American of ideals. I mean, really, they're doing something that I think is kind of. Uh, the epitome of what is American, that civil disobedience. You Yes, it needs to be inconvenient. You need to make people think. You need to make the government respond. You need to make people you know, actually consider what's going on instead of just looking at the parade as it passes them by kind of thing. So, um, I, mean, I, I mean, I'm just going to disagree with you. I think that blocking the downtown, while inconvenient if you lived there and everything else, definitely gets the attention that you've been seeking. If they'd just been holding this on the side of the road somewhere, would they have gotten the national media attention and put the pressure on the government of Canada that they did otherwise? I don't know. Uh, it depends how the media reports it. But when I think of civil disobedience, I think of, uh, you know, protesters handcuffing themselves to some railing or something, but that doesn't block anybody off. I mean, it's a real, I, I, I know I would hate to be blocked off from going to work or something by a bunch of inconsiderate people jamming up the roads, the arteries of commerce, and I just don't think that's the American way. I mean, uh, well, maybe, you know, Occupy Wall Street was, you know, people squatting down in the park, you know, that doesn't really hurt anybody, you know, maybe they're not supposed to be in the park, but that's civil disobedience, but that doesn't stop commerce and, and doesn't inconvenience me, just... Maybe it looks bad, leaves some trash in the in the park or whatever, but mm. I think it's well, un-American to do that. Well, I mean, you could feel it's un-American. Uh, like I said, I feel like it is the most American of expressions um, because, uh, I mean, again, the government's not listening. And they're not going to listen if they're just parked on the side of the road doing their thing there. They have to make some kind of – I mean, this is the – this is the march and the protest on Washington. This is the Occupy Wall Street. This is the, I mean, this is this is something that we've done for decades in this country, um, a couple hundred years, in fact. So not a, you know, not not a big deal. Uh, appreciate your call. Thank you very much. We're up against the break. We've got Chris Story coming up here in just a second. Uh, so don't go anywhere. We'll be back with more here. The Michael Duke Show. Common sense, liberty break, uh, liberty, liberty based, free thinking radio. Don't ever look at the screen and see something while you're trying to talk. Back with more and Chris Story right after this. Broadcasting live through a series of tubes. Allowing all of these uh, entities to provide streaming stuff going on on the the, the internet. Well, it's kind of hard to explain. Sorry. Streaming live every weekday morning on Facebook Live and MichaelDukesShow.com. I mean, can you imagine Canadian truckers being mean or, I mean, Canadians just always, sorry, 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 sorry. I mean, they're just so polite right <laughs> so can I, I mean i know that's stereotypical it's like the stereotype of the uh, loud and obnoxious american but at the same time i mean it, it's <clears throat> you know can you imagine a canadian i'm sorry sorry but i must park right here i'm sorry that i'm blocking i'm sorry sorry <laughs> oh it is peaceful protests Peaceful protest for sure. Uh, anyway, 
we'll we'll see what happens here. Let me go back uh, in the chat room to see what some of you guys have been saying. You guys, um, let's see. Uh, Randy is making some comments. Hard to have a forensic audit when the ballot envelopes, which had or were supposed to have the signatures on them, have been destroyed, says Kevin. Yeah, I, I mean, I could never understood. When I heard that first time, I was like, well, wait a second. To be a valid mail-in ballot, it had to have that witness signature line, and yet you're telling me you only retain the ballots and not the envelopes? How can you check the ballots if the envelopes are not with them? I mean, that just that didn't make any sense to me. How can you possibly do that when the ballot, I mean, that just, that just doesn't, no, that just doesn't make any sense. American truckers aren't at risk. Randy keeps adding his two cents here. Hey, Peter North was in the chat room. <laughs> I love getting trolled by people who had just, I have no idea who they are. Um, I will never ask a trucker to have a vac so I can have my Cheerios, says Laura. No, me either. Well, Randy Trudeau has been obstructing Canadians' way of life for over two years now. Things seems to think his whims are to be obeyed at all times. Uh, they're trying to make a statement and get the government's attention, save their jobs and lives. Also, it's not a violent protest like what happened in Portland and Seattle. <clears throat> the civil rights protesters wouldn't have gotten, yeah, the, the original civil rights protesters in the 60s wouldn't have gotten anywhere without civil disobedience. Our elections are secure. They have been and will continue to be secure, says Harold. Boy, he has some real faith there. American truckers would be more rowdy than Canadians. Canadians have a reputation for being nice. Randy, as usual, doesn't know what he's talking about. Um, uh, make their voices heard. I hope they break him. Um, you can't deny folks from voting. It's a fundamental right in this country. Take your cross checks and signature requirements to the garbage dump where they belong. That's the dumbest comment I've ever heard, Harold. That it, voting security is a thing. No, you can't deny people their fundamental right of voting. But you also need to make sure that they're secure so the people who have not voted or have already voted or are not eligible to vote can't vote. Just take your garage. Yeah. Uh-huh. <clears throat> right. And like asking for a signature or for ID is denying them the right to vote. That's the biggest load of horse swallow I ever heard. I mean, that 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 is some. That was just BS. That's exactly right. Um, <clears throat> voter database got hacked. Yeah, exactly. Um, those requirements are critical to ensure registered voters vote and the person who's voting is who they say they are. Uh, in Anchorage, there was a trucker's convoy. I think it was a good protest because I think it kept them moving. It didn't tie up in snarl traffic, says Randy. Well, I mean, it did tie up in snarl traffic, but you know, not for long periods of time. It, it was what it was. All right. Where's Chris story? <clears throat> Where is he this morning? You can't deny folks their fundamental right. Nobody said deny them their fundamental right to vote. Nobody said that. I mean, only you are saying that. Nobody else said that. Just you. You're the one that's saying it's all about making denying people's rights to vote. Everybody else is <clears throat> saying that it's about the security of the vote that you can't get, get you know compromised we've had we've been hacked several times all the other security questions there you go 
Nobody said you can't you, that we were denying them their right to vote. You're the one that's turning it to that, not anybody else. Which again, out of the mouth speaks the heart. That raises a lot of questions. I'm just saying, that just raises some serious questions. Here we go. All right, uh, we are moving ahead here. Time for our weekly life coaching lesson with the man, the myth, the legend, Chris Story, the guy who's so good he has his own theme song. Chris Story, the obnoxiously positive and sometimes hilarious man from Homer, joins us every week to talk about pottery, positivity, and how not to become a nihilist. We're looking at you, Eric. It's the Michael Dukes Show. That's right. Positive, positivity, and how not to become a nihilist. He's actually got that on his business cards. Uh, Good morning, my friend. How are you doing? Good morning, Michael. Fantastic on top of the world. Never better. Yeah, well, that's always how it is. I never expected any less from you, my friend. Never expected any less. So uh, what's on your mind today, sir? How are you going to uplift us? How are you going to coach us in the thing that is life? Through death. Bob Bob Proctor died recently. Bob Proctor most notably became a household name in about 2007 with his appearance on the movie, the secret he right. was in the book and in, in right. the, movie, the secret. But Bob had been teaching for about 50 years. Uh, well, probably 40 years prior to that. And he does just died recently at 86 and uh, Canadian speaking of which and being <laughs> with your, your program today. Sorry, sorry, sorry. Story. He story, man. Sorry. Loser. Sorry. Um, but what, it, but he was a great guy. And, and I read his book years ago. It was called you were born rich. And in fact, for a while, he was just giving it away. He just uh, you would just email in and join his newsletter, and he'd send you a copy of this book. Um, but but anyway, so I've been kind of studying it lately and, and thinking about Bob a little bit. You know, just what an impact he had on the world. Truthfully, he traveled the world speaking and motivating and inspiring people and teaching practical um, applicability to what he was teaching. Not just you know feel good, but he also had a lot of practical things. And one of them was called the law of the vacuum law of prosperity. And actually, Catherine Ponder before him and, and others actually spoke on this uh, early on. And, and Lawrence or uh, Shovel's shin, I can't remember it. I can't, Florence <laughs> Shovel's skin, something like that. Anyway, okay. so back all the way back to 1900. So people have been teaching about this for a long time. But Bob's approach was, I thought, really practicable. And I thought, well, I will share that with you because, you know, it makes such sense when you think about it physically. You know, nature abhors a vacuum. We all know that. That Physically, you remove something, something else will take its place. You can apply this to politics, law. You can apply this to your life, relationships, or just a new chair or a sofa or curtains in your house or or whatever, or a job. You know, if if you're looking to replace something, you need to first remove the old thing. But when you think about it in terms of Cheryl Richardson said, a quality life isn't always about what you add to it but what you remove. Sometimes it's about what you remove. And we are loath to do that sometimes because we, we cling or we hang on to the past or we hang on to a physical thing that represents the past 
or something we were once in love with or something we once dreamed of having. And now we've got it, but we don't necessarily still want it. You know, it's not necessarily serving us. And you can think in terms of relationships even. Now, not, not every relationship can you discard or, or remove from your life because they're family or they're very close to you or they're, they're coworkers, but you can insulate and shield yourself from those, those people. But to remove something from your life will naturally create room for something new or someone new or a new opportunity. So that's what I've been thinking about over the weekend. And I thought, you know, I want to talk to Michael Dukes about this because I know you do a lot of vacuuming in your life, Michael. Right. I do a lot of. So, I mean, you're saying basically clean out the attic or the or the yep. st- clean out the storage unit of your life and uh, and get rid of it because, you yep. know, and, and you don't realize it a lot of times. But, boy, there is some emotional baggage. Sometimes you're like, I've been holding on to this for 20 years and I get rid of this thing, whatever it was, thinking one day I'd have a use for it. And then all of a sudden it's like, oh, I got rid of it. And now I don't have to stress about it anymore. And now I don't, you know, it's, it's, it is, it's almost like a relief at some point when you declutter your life in that way. And that is a great way to look at it. And I think in harmony with the law, the vacuum law of prosperity is the removal of old dead thoughts, old dead memories, memories that, that we talk about as, you know, an old dead memory, but in fact, it's alive and well, and maybe you're reliving it in your mind and you haven't let go of it. And there's another thing that I think corresponds to the vacuum law of prosperity, and that is forgiveness. And that is to forgive those that have trespassed you, but also to forgive yourself. Uh, Have you been in a situation where you wish to behave differently? And yet, instead of just learning from that and applying the lesson forward in your life, you'll just relive it again and again, and, and it brings back the same pain and the same holographic memories of shame or, or disdain, whatever it is. I think forgiveness is a huge component of this, and forgiving yourself is probably fundamental or foundational to this, <clears throat> this vacuum law, because whatever you're holding there against yourself, you're not allowing for the new and for the, the vivacious and the, the new vibrations of good to come into your life simply for the fact that in you is held up a bunch of garbage that needs to be let go. That was yesterday. Let the dead bury the dead. That is gone. And there's a time I can remember my dad is, um, you know, he was probably at the time, probably about uh, 73 years old. He's he's 78 now, but I'm, so I'm going back four or five years ago. Maybe it was longer ago than that, but I I was very protective of him. I still am. And, but in a situation we were in, and there was somebody accosting somebody else. And my dad's first instinct was to get out of the truck. We were sitting in the truck. We had been checking on one of his properties together and we were witnessing this. And these two people were just stoned out of their minds. Probably. I mean, we're not talking good love and hippies on marijuana. This was probably, you know, some meth heads (laughs) that were going at each other. And my dad's first instinct was to go and jump in and help. And I said, dad, get back in. No, get in the truck. We're calling the cops. I can get stabbed over these two, you know, (laughs) get stuck with, something here and but i relive that memory i think man i so admire his his wanting to jump into the fray and and help uh the situation and held it against myself for a long time why did i i you know why didn't i want to jump in and help i can't believe but right i've let go of that you know i gotta move on i mean it's just a simple memory that i know for sure i had to work on for a while to let go of and go okay what would i do in the future how would i handle it next time uh, versus just get in the car, let's get out, let's call the cops and get out of here. You know, that wasn't a proud moment and for me. And so, but I've, I've learned to, to let it go 
and move on. Otherwise, I would just sit there and spin on that. And that's a simple memory, but you, you've got your own. Everybody has them. Times that you wish you had behaved, acted, said something different. We've got to let go of that to make room for the good and the new to come into our life. Uh, Chris Story uh, is our guest uh, talking about the vacuum of our life, how we need to create. I guess, are we vacuuming out or are we creating a vacuum that creates more, uh, which creates more room for us, I guess? I guess it could be either way. It's both. Yeah. I mean, so it's the idea of of brooming out the old attic, uh, but you are essentially just making room. You've got to, but it's emotional too. And so that's why I think that it's important to think in terms of making room for the new. It's not just about, you know, it is about getting rid of the old things. There's a couch that you hate. There's a car, a vehicle you despise. There's something in your life that you just can't stand. Um, but yet you hang on to it because, well, I got it. So I am suggesting go to Goodwill with it. I am suggesting pack up the old things that you're not going to wear again. Get rid of them. Make okay. room for something new in your life. But also go deeper, look inside, and be willing to face those things that you haven't let go of, you haven't forgiven, you haven't forgotten, and just let go of some of that stuff, too. So it, it is definitely multidimensional. So as always, I now ask you to walk me through the process. So I've got an idea or a memory or a philosophy or something that's holding me back or hurting me in ways I may not even understand old stuff that I don't really need that I'm having a hard time jettisoning uh, jettisoning and letting go of. Um, so how, how, do, how do I go? But give me the practical application here. I think just, just simply test it. And if it's easier to test it with something physical, then do it. Get rid of something. And, and I guarantee the new will come to you. Something will open up an opportunity. I'm not suggesting you go quit your job tomorrow. But if there's something physical, like maybe your dishes, set of dishes, uh, here's a great example. This is the simplest way you could possibly start. Go to your cabinet, the cupboard where you keep all your coffee cups. I guarantee there's probably a handful that you don't use, don't like, can't remember where you got them, or do remember who in, who you got got them from and who gave them to you. And you're like, I can't stand these anymore. And I'm hanging on to them simply for that. Get rid of them. Make room. And, and if you end up with just a handful left, somebody will come to you or an opportunity will present itself to bring you new and better. And that's a really simplistic, dumbed down kind of way to put this. But I think it's a great way to start and just test it out. On the other hand, if you're willing to delve even deeper, then it's about forgiveness and just picking a memory such as I just shared there where I was ashamed of myself and I kept going back and reliving that moment and thinking, you know, why didn't I grab the nunchucks from under the seat? I'm kidding. I don't have nunchucks, but you know what I mean? Why didn't I, why did I not jump in? Why didn't I, gra- why didn't I grab my AK and then go spray Thank and pray? Right. Or something. Thank right. you. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Exactly. And, and so that was, a, that was a, just an example I'm sharing basically because it, it's something that I was so ashamed of for quite a while. I and mean, for months I kept reliving that and just like, what happened generationally that he was willing to jump in was, and I, and I sort of mollified myself. I just said, no, you know, I'm there to protect my dad, but really it was self-preservation. And, and that was a shameful, but I had to let it go, had to let it go and move on. And so I picked that as an opportunity to experiment with this and it worked really well. And now I have this sense of forgiveness and now I have a game plan going forward. So you pick something, pick something that is when you relive it, it, it's not serving you well, or it's a memory or I guess really this is about also sweeping away victimization. Any 
place in your life where you felt a victim, this is a good opportunity to experiment with vacuuming that. Get out the old mental Hoover, get rid of it, and make room for new. Make room for something better because it's on its way. You just have to make room for it. Well, it's an interesting concept. I mean, I'm thinking back and, and I mean, while there have been bad areas of my life or bad decisions or, you know, things like that, I don't know. I, I guess I don't know if I feel like I'm they're they're holding me back or letting me down. I mean, this is something that um, I guess I have to think on this a little bit more because, I mean, while I agree totally, and that's why I started with that in the beginning, I could totally identify with you know, getting rid of stuff. I remember we we lived in the same house for 20 years in North Poland when we moved down to Wasilla. It was so cathartic because I had stuff that I was like, oh, I'm going to use that one day. And then I was like, nope, taking it to, nope, to the reuse, nope, to the dump, nope, to the yard sale, nope, I'm giving it away. And it felt so good when I got done and I was like, I had decluttered my life in so many ways. But I don't know if I can apply that right yet to my maybe I'm not grown enough yet to be able to apply it to my mental uh, to my mental and my philosophy, my mental life, I guess, as opposed to my physical life. Uh, but I'm going to have to give that some thought. Get the name of the book and the and the author again and, and how he wrote about this vacuum. Yeah, Bob, Bob Proctor, Bob Proctor, Canadian, great Canadian, just passed away recently. The book is called You Were Born Rich, and he describes the vacuum law of of prosperity. And, and it's funny because he uses, he starts out talking about his aunt who hated the curtains in her house. And he said to her, look, just get rid of them. And she, no, 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 these are the curtains I've gotten. And it's so again, a simplistic physical thing that is a great way to test this. Sure enough, she got rid of her curtains and, and then lo and behold, this threw an opportunity, these, these new wonderful chairs and curtains appeared and blah, blah, blah. And I'm not suggesting that it's magic. I'm not saying if you go throw a $10 bill down the sewer drain, uh, you're going to find a 20 tomorrow. You might, but I'm not suggesting you try that. But I am, I am full wholeheartedly saying if you make room for the good in your life by rooming out and vacuuming out the old, the negative, the things that are no longer serving you or thoughts or ideas or habits, you could make way for an incredibly new and healthy life a new and wealthy life or just better relationships, whatever it is you're looking to improve. I think this law will, will literally work. You don't even have to agree with it to test it. You right, can literally right. go test it with your coffee mugs. Well, I mean, I definitely, we all know that you've only really got two coffee mugs that you use, the one that you use and the other one that's dirty. And then you, you wash them and then reverse it. And it doesn't matter. I can open up my cupboard and there's 53 coffee mugs in there. I keep asking my wife, where do these come from? They're like multiplying like tribbles in the They're cupboard. Breeding. I only need these two. These are the two I need. Every other one can go. Um, yeah. So you and I know that that's, that's, a, that's a hard truth right there. Chris Story is the author of the book called The Backyard Millionaire, which if you haven't read yet, it is fantastic. It's available at Amazon, also on audible.com in the audio book version of it, read by yours truly. Um, and, of course, he writes about all different other kinds of things as well, working on the making of man, uh, uh, working on the man series, I'm assuming. Yeah, yeah, very excited about the Watchmen. The Watchmen is almost done, approaching the the final chapter, and uh, it's very exciting. The sequel to the Making of Man, which, by the way, I have to tell you. Uh, well, I'll tell you a story next week about about that book and your audio version and what it did to a young family camping. Okay, it scared the hell out of them. Hopefully, all right. Uh, yes. We'll be we'll be back uh, uh, next week then, and you can tell me the story of man next week. We'll start off with that. Chris Story, the man from Homer. Thank you so much for coming on board today, my friend. As always, it's great. 
to uh, be with you. What's your website again? I keep forgetting it. I love homeralaska.com. Right. I'm always just know I'm going to screw it up. So I got to change it here on the screen. But I love homeralaska.com. Thank you, my friend. Appreciate you coming on board. Thanks for being part of it today. Thank you, Michael. You suck. Uh, thank you so much. I, I am creating a vacuum. <laughs> I create a vacuum in everyone's life. I'm just like that, you know, I just suck. I suck their wills to live. That's how it works. Thank you, my friend. We'll talk to you next week. Uh, Chris Story, <clears throat> the man from Homer. All right, we're going to uh, continue here. We got more coming up. The Michael Duke Show, common sense, liberty based, free thinking radio, one segment when we return. If you missed the show, you can listen to it on your time with Dukes On Demand. Oh, and it's free. Like America used to be. Streaming live every weekday morning on Facebook Live and MichaelDukesShow.com. Okay, uh, in the break. Unload your toxic relationships. Mm, Wait, never mind, says Harold. Yeah, no, because if I had to unload my toxic relationships... I probably would have blocked you a long time ago, Harold. That's just, that's, there's a hard truth in there. Sorry. It's just a hard truth in there. If I was looking to unload my toxic relationships, that probably would have been one of them. Um, all right. Uh, oh, Lord. Uh, coming up on tomorrow's program, we are going to be interviewing Sean Thorne, who's a libertarian candidate for U.S. Senate. Here in the state of Alaska, I mean, why not? We're going to interview. We're going to interview. Try and every interview everybody we can. Um, we've already done Randy Perham, and we've done um, Shabaka, and um, who who else did we? We did somebody else. I've forgotten now who else we did. Uh, but we are going to uh, also. I've reached out to Nick Begich's people. I'm trying to get them on on board so that we can uh, so that we can have him on as well for. So we're trying to get the congressional candidates on the blower so that we can talk with them. That's the that's the plan. That's the plan. Uh, and then Mike Shower is going to be joining us on Thursday, is what uh, his wife has told me. So she's she's the one scheduling. Um, she's the one that's scheduling that stuff for him to try and make sure that he stays accurate. Uh, we had Kirka on. Yep, we also had Kirka on. Uh, I was thinking about congressional candidates. Um, we'll see if we can reach out to Bill Walker again and, uh, maybe Les Guerra and the new, this is a candidate that I hadn't heard of. I don't know why I didn't hear from it. Bruce Walden, Republican candidate, Bruce Walden. I, I did, I didn't even, I hadn't even heard of him. Bruce Walden and Tanya Lang. Um, I I just I don't even I don't even know who he is. He he's he's not even there there's like not even a there's not even a website. Um as soon as I put let's see, Bruce Walden, Facebook. Yeah. He's from Palmer. He's filed a run for governor. Says he's not impressed with what he has seen so far. Okay, well, we'll see if we can get Bruce Walden on the uh, uh, on the thing. He's got a Facebook page, you know. He's got a Facebook page, Bruce Walden. Um, whoops, is that it? 
that's uh, well, that's for for assembly. But he's running for governor now too. All right, so we'll see. Uh, we'll get a chance to chat with him uh, as I re I've, I haven't reached out to him yet. So. Uh, Randy Perham does not live in Alaska. He lives in Texas. Well, Alaska is his state of residency. He's in Texas right now. He was in Italy earlier last year. I'm not sure if he is. Uh, I'm not sure if he has fulfilled the requirement as per congressional the federal law. But uh, we interviewed him last year when he was uh, in between places. Not sure if it's the same, but I don't think bad outweighs the good. All experiences, some total of who you are. It's how you go forward, embracing all those experiences that make you now, says Givens. And, you know, that's kind of why I was having a hard time wrapping my brain around that. I mean, I can't think of anything. I mean, I've made bad, made bad choices for sure. But at the same time, those choices brought me to where I'm at. So I don't know if I can forget. Maybe it is more about, he said, the forgiveness aspect than the forgetting aspect. But anyway. I don't know. Okay. Um, so we're going to, we're going to reach out to uh, Bruce Walden and I suppose we should get a hold of Billy Toyne as well. And then we will uh, also be talking with uh, Sean uh, tomorrow. Am I right? I'm just making sure that I'm right so that I don't step in it. Come on. There we go. Um, Sean Thorne, Libertarian candidate for U.S. Senate. He will be joining us uh, tomorrow at 624 a.m. And uh, that should be good stuff. That should be fun. All right. Uh, well, we're one minute out. Uh, I'm voting Nick Vegas for Congress. He seems like the most solid option of the three. Young has gotten so out of touch seriously an office vaccine mandate. Yeah, that was a pretty interesting turn of events. We talked about that a bit yesterday. Maybe we should talk about that again here this morning, but definitely an interesting turn of events on that one for sure. Uh, all right. Do me a favor. Um, uh, like and share this video, like and follow the show page on Facebook as well. Hit the subscribe button and ring the bell. That's what I'm asking you to do. Oh, Susie says he owns a house in Texas. He has no intention of living in Alaska. His campaign manager quit him. Well, there you go. I interviewed him like a year ago. So things have obviously changed since then. Thank you, Susie, for the heads up. All right, here we go. Jumping back into it. Common sense, liberty-based, free-thinking radio, The Michael Duke Show. Let's do this. No, let me do this. No. Well, howdy, howdy, howdy. I'm a cowboy <laughs> this morning. Oh, man. You remember the you remember the uh, the earthquake back in 2018? Now, I was I was lucky during that earthquake because um, 
we were all at home. I was broadcasting at the time. I was in the studio. It was like right after I finished the show. As in fact, I was wrapping up the podcast and everything. And uh, <clears throat> the earthquake hit. And luckily, my daughter, um, who uh, whose husband was deployed at the time to Qatar, she was living with us, and so. I knew where everybody is. All my immediate family was there in the house, and so I could check on everybody, and uh, it was fine. Now, for others, it wasn't so fine. People had already left for work. People had family members and children that were out and about, um, um, and people were worried. They didn't know. They didn't know what to do. And when you tried to make a cell phone call that morning, it was well, it was hit or miss. Let's put it that way. And that all came down to cellular congestion, which is not just a problem during disasters. It can be a problem during certain times of the day, um, during, you know, certain weather conditions and everything else. Cellular congestion, a growing problem. It would definitely, definitely woke you up. And of course, I was worried, you know, and I was worried about my friends. I was worried about my family, my coworkers. But if you face a disaster like that and the cell phone tower goes down, what do you do? Well, my friends, if you have a bivy stick, you don't have anything to worry about. Ba-da! The bivy stick. This little teeny tiny device that pairs with your cell phone and turns it into a satellite short burst data connection. When you connect this to your cell phone, you can send text messages. You can send emails. You can get immediate emergency, weather reports, you can get your map pins, you can drop a pin to tell people where you are. There's all different kinds of things you can do with this little teeny tiny device. Best of all, in the case of an emergency, you can tell each other not only if you're okay, but if you're not okay, you can send an SOS. You could send a message saying, I'm hurt. You know, the, uh, the, 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 the telephone pole has fallen in my car and I'm trapped and I'm pinned. Come get me. Here's where I am. You don't even have to know the actual street. You just drop the pin and it drops it to you and it can be seen by others. That's the beauty of this, that no matter what's going on, you can be in contact. That's why I have one. That's why my wife has got one coming. Uh, we're going to throw that and she'll have it in her glove box. She'll be ready to go maybe her purse. And the best part is, is that once it's charged, once you turn it on, it's got five days worth of charge on it. Five continuous days of usage. Um, It's got no activation fees. It only costs $199. And you can get a plan that's unlimited for like $45 a month. That's the plan that I'm on. Or you can get a plan that's like an emergency plan. And that's the plan I'm going to put my wife on. It's like 14 bucks a month just to know that she is safe, and no matter where she is, she can hit the button, she can tell me she's safe, or she can pull the pull the ripcord for the SOS button to let me know she's in trouble. And that can send both a text and it can send an email to let people know where you're at. Not just what's going on, but where you're at. If you can't get to your phone and it's connected and the device is on, you could still, it's programmed with those immediate you know, check-ins or the immediate SOS codes, you can do that as well. And it's got all different kinds of new stuff that they're rolling out. They're rolling out some new features that I can't even talk about right now, but they've already told me about that are going to be super, super cool, especially for you snow machiners or your hunters who like to go out in a group. You're going to want to take a look at this bivy stick, which is available 
all across the state of Alaska at a local dealer. So if you're a hunter, a fisher, a snow machiner, a doctor, a truck driver, an Avon lady, a soccer mom, whatever, domestic goddess, you need one of these bivy sticks. You can find out more at SatelliteWest.com. Just click on the bivy logo, or you can go to your local dealer in Dutch Harbor, Lundy Marine Electronics, in Kodiak, Radar, Alaska, in Homer, South Central Radar on the Spit, in Fairbanks, Arctic Fire and Safety, in Seward, Communications North, and in Wasilla, Anchorage, or Soldatna, go to Safe and Sound. And make sure you ask for the manager at Safe and Sound, because if one of the counter people doesn't know, what somebody in Wasilla didn't know what they were talking about when a listener came in. I got an email. It uh, turned out that the guy who knew about him was, anyway, talk to the manager. Ask to speak to the manager, if that's part of the problem. But this bivy stick is the cat's meow right here. I'm telling you. Check it out. Boom. Right there. Never. I'm going to put that back in my pocket because I don't. I want to keep it with me. I want to keep it with me. How does a bivy handle extreme cold? It handles extreme cold extremely well. There you go. Extreme and extreme. Two in the same sentence. Um, all right. Uh, we're coming up uh, at the end of the show here this morning. I didn't get a chance to talk about the Canadian trucker thing, although I will announce that uh, Canadian Prime Minister Justin Trudeau, let's go Barbara, um, has suspended the civil liberties in his country as of Monday. He enacted national um, and basically the Canadians' versions of martial law. The Emergencies Act is effective for 30 days and allows Trudeau's government to ban public assembly, ban travel, and outlaw the use of certain properties like big rigs. His emergency order means the government may use any means necessary without approval from Parliament to unblock the streets of the Capitol where hundreds of trucks are parked in protest of his vaccine mandate and other mandates. And uh, he, uh, he's going to do it because uh, authoritarian's going to authoritate, right? Dictator's going to dictate. That's what they do. <laughs> he said he will not. He said he will not, by the way, call in the military. But it will grant more power to the police, these actions. So... Uh, of course, the Canadians also ordered the uh, the website Go Send Go that they couldn't give the money to the Canadian truckers, and Go Send Go said, uh, "Well, you're not in America, so go screw yourself." And they gave the money to the truckers anyway, because <laughs> it was a Canadian court that said it, and they're like, "Well, we're not in Canada. Have a nice day." Um, let's go over to the phones, catch a couple calls here before we go to break. Good morning. Who's this? Where are you calling from? Hey, Michael, this is Bubba calling from North Pole. What's up? And just a really quick just a really quick comment about this uh, problems we have retaining people because of our retirement system up here. Right, right. Uh, let me see. If I got it right, I can go to work for the state for five years. I can pay five years so I can get a 10-year retirement. Well, I don't know if that's exactly it, but I know that it's a pretty lucrative retirement plan for a, de- for a defined contribution plan that they will match you for whatever you save. That's a pretty good deal. There's not a lot of people out there that'll do that these days. You save ten thousand, you'll get twenty back. Yeah, exactly. Such a deal. Such, Such a, a deal. deal. We have a very bad system, though. It's horrible. Yeah. It's horrible system. Yeah. yeah. I just thought it, I just thought I'd throw that in there. Thanks, Bubba. Appreciate it. Appreciate you calling in. One final call here before we run out of daylight. Good morning. Who's this? Where are you calling from? Hi, Mike. Jeff from Homer. Jeff, quickly. You're exactly right about the uh, Canadians up there. He is definitely a dictator. 
and he has no real probable cause to do what he's doing because he wants him to take that shot, and that should be illegal all around the world as far as I'm concerned. Right. I mean, more and more is coming out about those shots, and and more and more is being said, and, you know, we're in a situation here in the United States where it's purely political because, oh, the Democrats have backed off now, and mandates well, are going away and I think even I think, losing in the polls. I think even more importantly, it's because he doesn't like looking bad. That's the thing, Jeff. He just doesn't like looking bad. And oh boy, is he looking bad these days. Appreciate you coming on board. We're out of time for today. Folks, tomorrow, Sean Thorne, candidate for Congress, Libertarian candidate, will be joining us and more. The Michael Duke Show, Common Sense Radio. All right, my friends, we are out of time. Let's hope tomorrow brings... uh, brings better technology issues and we can be on both facebook and youtube and twitch and everything else all at the same time thanks for coming in we will see you tomorrow the michael duke show common sense liberty-based free thinking radio Shed our terrestrial radio skin, and now we are slimy lizard internet people. It's the Michael Duke Show.